Hello, welcome to the Mindful Leadership and Resilience Podcast. My name is Miro Kusalik. I'm a leadership and mental coach. In this podcast, I intend to bring new approaches, share experiences from the best leaders to encourage and inspire people to go on their own path of inner work and self-improvement. It is for all of you who are infected by the constant self-improvement syndrome and are searching for real-life leadership stuff. Hello and welcome to our episode of Mindful Leadership and Resilience podcast. In today's podcast, we will be talking with Rico, how can mindful leadership help leaders, how mindful leadership fits into the current corporate environment. Rico will tell us something about his great mindfulness initiative he started in his company. My dear guest today is Rico Schneider, 20 years leadership experience, more than 20 years experience in reinsurance corporate business, born and raised in Switzerland. However, majority of his life, he lives in Mexico. Rico is polyglot who speaks five languages, man who has a lot of passion. He's passionate about leading people, mindfulness, violin, traveling, sports. He even played in orchestra in Mexico City. Have great experience with different cultures. He lived in Switzerland, Mexico, US. For me, is Rico a very positive, helpful, and compassionate person. I think he got this constant self-improvement syndrome. For me, one of the most difficult things in life is to have balance and a code of happiness. And I think that Rico has this code. So hi, Rico. Hi, Miro. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Our topic today is mindful leadership in business. Your life is full of experience, important milestones, changes, adventures. Please tell us something more about your journey to the leader you are today. What was the most important milestones which you experienced in life? Well, I think like many leaders, I think I went through many ups and downs. So it was quite mixed, my journey. I started with a relatively large team, was my first team I led when I came to Mexico. And I think that was quite a challenge, really be able to give a direction and people expect something from you and you feel certain pressure. So I think I went through that journey, which I think was challenging. It was also stressful, would I say, for me, because I always felt like responsible for my team and wanted to give my best. And I was not so very much relaxed at the beginning, I think. I was more stressed than anything else. Probably I also started off with giving lots of trust because I'm a person who likes to trust others. And I had my issues with that too, my challenges. And I learned also that you need to give trust, but also people should earn the trust you're giving them. And you need to know them quite well. You need to really be on top of that and not just give trust and that's it. It's not so easy. <laughs> Not at all. Saying how my journey was, I think, yeah, it was just ups and downs. I think you mature with time. It takes time. It takes patience too. And what I learned is, I think that leaders normally imprint their leadership style based on how they are. So for example, looking at a leader who's insecure, normally those leaders will also then imprint that to the team and will want to control everything. And so I think you always have to look at yourself first. How am I? How am I feeling today? Uh, to really then see how you are leading and how you are acting day by day. So what you told actually that your journey as a leader was at the beginning very stressful. You felt responsibility. So it was not relaxed state of your life. And then you mentioned something very important that first of all, the leader needs to find who he is really. So the self-awareness. Yes. 
and based on this one, build up his leadership style. Exactly, exactly. You need to find your own style, probably, because you have to be yourself. You can't just copy a model or be somebody who you not are. You need to really be yourself. And yeah, it starts also with trust, probably also with self-love at the end. You need to trust yourself and then love yourself. And then you can start really leading. I think that's very important. <laughs> that you know yourself yeah i love that you told this because that's a really very important points for every young leader so first really self-awareness trust yourself building your self-confidence how to trust others and then you are able and prepared to lead others with this leadership style i can imagine or might imagine then in those days there were a little bit different leadership style i think from your line managers and you know these baby boomers now a leadership style rather control and command leadership how was that when you started with your leadership job what was the typical leadership style it was totally different than nowadays i mean actually we were asked not to feel too many emotions and especially not show the emotions i mean it was like ask from us to be a bit like maybe robots somehow just follow the book you know and i didn't feel very comfortable with that i must say but i also didn't have the experience has been a big swing you know from then and nowadays we are actually trained for emotional intelligence that's totally other opposite of trying not to feel the emotions and nowadays we were asked to feel ourselves to feel the other person uh, to be very mindful aware of our own emotions because those emotions will show us many things and we should not suppress our emotions but yeah it started very differently 20 years ago it's very interesting to say that we went from the age of shutting down emotion not showing emotion actually as you mentioned to be a robot so not showing emotion at all that would be the best and maybe to leave your best half at home and not take it to the workplace to nowadays be mindfully aware of your emotions and help the people to release those emotions so this is a really a big change in a leadership style yeah definitely i mean although i think i always try to show empathy to people because i really i like people you know i always liked being with clients or being with my own team um, i've always liked that to be around people and feel the people and show some empathy and i think that was also maybe something which helped me at the end you know although maybe officially we were asked to be a little bit cooler you know with our emotions but somehow i always had that and i never left it i, I always was somehow i think convinced that we need to show empathy and need to feel the other person you mentioned a very important point which is empathy to empathize with someone please tell us so how helped empathy in your leadership what it brought into your team it's always to feel the human you know to feel the human behind the thing you know because in business sometimes we always talk about that the client has a certain issue let's talk about the client and then you you cannot only focus on this particular issue you know you need to know the person as a whole and need to know what makes them thrive what concerns them and by that you will have much better results in a negotiation for example because you know the person better and you won't jump just to the issue but you will take into consideration the whole context of the person so that person you're negotiating with 
might have an issue with their boss, for example, or at home. And maybe that's why they're so tied up and, and difficult to talk to. But when you get deeper and start investigating, maybe somehow and get to know that person really well, you will be able to get much better results out of any conversation or negotiation. That's mean that actually through this empathy and empathizing, understand that the other person as a human being, you will create this connection, this trust. And when the other person starts to trust you, the communication is better. When it's communication better, the motivation, the result is better. Yes. Is that what, what you mean? It's one of the aspects of it. If you have empathy, you will just feel the other person much better and you will have also you will be able to tap your intuition better because sometimes they won't tell you things uh, straightforward very often. But if you are in that somehow state of feeling rather than just thinking, you will also get better hints on where you should go with that challenge, for example. Um, nowadays, I'm in charge of claims at a big insurance company. And normally it's always challenges, you know, the client asks for something and then you need to see if you can get there. Where, where the client is and you sometimes we get into a conversation already biased because you got some information about this person and you start thinking no he's trying to take advantage of us and whatever you know we're very human we always make assumptions but then when you tap into your empathy and start really addressing the issues out of that angle very often you will notice that that person has a point it's not only that they want to take advantage advantage of you because they come off from a certain angle, but you need to get to know that angle and need to understand them and make up your mind if that's somehow something you can negotiate, you know, also taking into account their point of view. And if you have that empathy, I think that will help you a lot to go deeper and then also to find solutions for the issue on the table. The issue on the table might be something very cold, you know, it might just be about money, how much money are they getting? or do they want to get but you will be able to negotiate something much better if you feel also where that person is coming from because you might give way to certain things where you think yeah they're right if you don't even try you know, to feel that person you will never get there i think that's one of the big challenges we have as, as humans we always make our assumptions and we don't want to somehow go too far in, into feeling the situation of the other person does mean that you start to listen to the other person not only for the words but you start to listen for emotions when you listen for emotions yeah. you see better in the person you connect better with the person the person start to trust you and you see where is this person coming from and then whether it's with client or whether you are talking as a leader with your team member then the connection is there what is going on there and you can find solution much faster and plus you will get the trust because the person will think that hey this guy is is not interesting in this business or that I good the job, but he's interesting in me as a person. And this help create this trust, this connection. And then you will together create a solution, which is for both sides profitable or better than to be on a fight. So 
just instead of conflict, you create connection. From yeah. hard negotiation, you create, let's say, common interest, so win-win situation. Yeah, exactly. You try somehow to move away from position, you know, because often you have a position, be it in a negotiation, be it in a difficult conversation with somebody who reports to you. You're in a certain position and you have to try to get away from positioning. I'm here, you're there, and try to dissolve that and find common ground, as you say. Yeah. Instead of control and command approach, I would say this mindful approach, this, let's call it now mindful leadership. So we were talking about already a couple of important traits of a mindful leader or a leader who is using mindfulness in a daily business. So what are for you typical traits of mindful leaders? I think the first one is really to be present. To be present means that you are in a conversation, you don't do anything else. Take that person totally as you are with that person and you listen. You not only listen, you also feel. I think that's that's to be mindful, to so be 100% present. Then also have focus. So focus on what you want to talk about, on what to want you solve. You don't get lost. You focus and you have clarity. You are very clear about where you want to go to. Also have high emotional intelligence. So what does that mean? That means that you're feeling yourself first. So you are very self-aware. So if that person says something and you suddenly feel some, I don't know, some stomach ache or sometimes you feel it in very strange parts of your body or in your mind, then you're aware of that. You're aware of what you're feeling. And the next step then is you also are aware or try to be aware of how the other person is feeling. So I think it's a whole array of things probably where you could say that's mindful leadership. We could also say what it is not, you know. It's also not just to sue everything and just to be soft. That's nothing to do with that. People might think, ah, you're mindful so I can do with you what I want because you feel me and sometimes then you shut down. You feel the aggressiveness of the other person and they're not able to get away from their position. Then you try clearly maybe to dissolve that position, but sometimes it's not possible. So you're not just soft. You just try to be appropriate to the situation. I think it's also important to say what it is not. You said be present. This is active listening. You listen for words, for emotion, for body movement. Then it's focus. That's intention of this discussion. You have clear intention where you want to go, then it's the clarity. So what do you want to achieve with this one? Then you mentioned a very important point of emotional intelligence, to be aware how I feel and to be exactly aware of how the other person feel. And then you have the whole spectrum of what is going on and then you're absolutely in and then the result of this discussion is very fruitful for the organization. And you mentioned very important point that mindful leader doesn't mean to be naive, mm -hmm. to be stupid, as I would say. This is very important to say that if you are mindful, you might be very assertive at the same time and to be kind. I think it's possible to very clearly say your opinion and you can do it only in this present state. Yeah. I always tell to my client, try to sit down, breathe deeply and try to get angry. It's nearly impossible. So in this present state, 
you communicate better whether you want or not i cannot agree more what you said we are both very much about its mindful leadership and please tell me because to be able to have these qualities of mindful leader it requires training we are not born this way or maybe we are born this way but then we are reprogrammed and we need to come back to this state of being present so please tell me what was your journey to become a mindful leader i mean from the perspective of training where did you for the first time find mindfulness and how was your training journey it was really on my spiritual path i've been following so it really started when i entered into buddhism and there i started meditating and i think the meditation really changed how my brain somehow works i don't know maybe it's exaggerated but meditation is nowadays for me something crucial so every day i need to meditate i really look for that i'm very joyful when i do that so it's not something i must do but it's something i really enjoy and it's really somehow helps to be present feel how you're feeling and not to be on autopilot i think unfortunately we are on autopilot so we do things just out of reflex somehow and they say that we do 95% of our daily actions autopilot somehow and you're not really aware what you're doing or what you're saying or what you're thinking especially the thinking part is crucial and there the meditation helps because you always will get back to your focus on the meditation big the breathing or bringing being at your body and you will become much more aware of what it is to be present and not to be like lost in your thoughts so it for yeah for me that was the experience and having so much this meditation to become more aware i had very similar experience as you had with the meditation and i love neuroscience it's exactly how you said meditation and it's proven by neuroscience it changed the structure of your brain this rational part is the part which is responsible for focus, control of your emotions. Decision-making is getting stronger, physically thicker. And this reactivity center, the trauma queen, which we carry, <laughs> monkey mind, which we have, it's just getting smaller, I would say. Especially what you do with the meditation, you integrate the brain. And this is actually a very, very important for leadership because this is job where we are very exposed. And please tell us, so you, every morning you meditate, this is your start of your day. Do I get it correctly? Yeah, not always. No, actually, I used to be very like clock, you know, I used to actually even have this app where I clocked me how much I meditated. And I noticed that actually I was meditating for the app and not for myself. So I let this app go and I also let go of too much routine. Yeah, very often I do meditate if I feel like that. Or sometimes I also do sports and then I meditate in the evening. I also do breathing exercises like pranayama and that helps me also a lot to focus. So sometimes I have time to meditate if I have a meeting I don't have. But I like it like this. I always meditate. If not, then before bed, you know, if I don't have time during the day. But I stopped doing it too rigorously. I was like that for about a year. And I think it was okay to be like that because then you get into this routine and you know how important it is. But now I'm a bit more relaxed about this yeah. timing. <laughs> Great that you are telling it because it's really very important not to become a robot with everything. So when you feel yourself what you need this morning. And please tell me, so what's the biggest difference between the recall before this transformation and after this
this transformation? What is the, let's say, the three, the biggest benefits which you observed in yourself? I have much more clarity in my thoughts. Then I am calmer. And the third way I say probably is that I observe myself much more. I try to be aware how do I feel many, many times a day. And when you know how you feel, then you better know what you need. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And I think I'm so happier, you know, I mean, just somehow it always ends in happiness. I think you are just more satisfied with your life, not only the work life, but the whole life, you know, because you also become aware that it depends so much on how you see the world. It's not the world itself, it's how you see it. So it's much more about our internal being rather than the outside world. It's really, and there you find the happiness, you don't find it outside. You told it beautifully because our brain is not reality machine, our brain is perception machine. So this is how we perceive the world. And the perception of the world is coming from inside, not from the outside. Beautiful. And Please tell me, how does look like organization or a team or a company who is led by mindful leader and uh, on the other side or the other spectrum, how does it look like in the organization when uh, this control and command leadership is in charge? Okay, well, first I'm going to generalize because I don't also don't want to say that I'm totally mindful. I also have my <laughs> ups and downs like everybody. So I'm far away from being 100% mindful. So, But I believe strongly that this is really the way to go for any organization. I think the first thing is probably that team members will feel empowered. So because the leader is able to show emotions and how he feels and where the journey is, and there's clarity also about where the team has to go, the team members will feel empowered. So there will not be all these control mechanisms in place. There will be some control, certainly. You need to know what your team members are doing. That's still something very basic, and you need to go into detail as a mindful leader, but then you can let go, you can give them trust and they will appreciate that trust. And out of that trust, there will also be more creativity. So people, because they are free, they feel powered, they will become more creative because only then can create creativity a blossom when you are free, when you feel that you have support from your boss. In anything you say, you can also say, I'm not feeling well, I don't agree with this. That's all appreciated sometimes even more. I mean, if people say, don't think this is the right way we're going, then you listen to them and you take that into account. So they feel empowered and then creativity, I think, also starts. And they feel listened to, they feel like they have a voice and they voice their opinion more openly. Empowerment, clarity about direction, trust, creativity. So these are these, how, let's say, the culture which, it, which this mindful leadership creates in the organization. And how is that in the companies? maybe your teams which you already observed or saw where you feel that there is rather this old style control and command leadership? I mean, I can say how it is at our company. At our company, this is very much encouraged and it's expected that leaders do empower their teams and they're not just controlling what the people are doing, but that they empower. And I think that has shown great results. I mean, I can say how it is at my company. So this so-called or so late mindful leadership is very much encouraged. So leaders are really asked to empower their team members, give them trust, ask them to speak up, to voice their opinion freely. And that also reflects 
in this time where you have to be at the office. So we have this total flexible working hours where people can work from ever, whenever they want. They just have to complete their job. So you also give them flexibility and trust in that sense, in sense of time. So I think that's for me more a mindful company or a mindful leadership encouraging company. And you mentioned very important fact that it really brings results. Yes, definitely. I mean, if you want to be competitive as a company, you need to listen to your employees. They are at the forefront. They know what's going on and to lead them to be creative, to find solutions and to constantly reinvent themselves. And they will do that if they have the trust and the empowerment to do so. So I think that's definitely the model of future and of the now more than anything else. So mentioning that in your company and in your team, in your organization, this mindful leadership is on. What are your experience maybe from other companies where this control and command or maybe from 20 years ago, what was the culture and what was the result of such, such a leadership? I think maybe you could do that in the past because there was not so much competition and the margins were still higher. I mean, it was really maybe more satisfied the bosses that the bosses had somehow control or seemed to have control um, and rather than really opening up for new things like being creative and constantly improving the company. So it was more like something very static, probably. Companies could be more static, but now a company can't afford to stay in the same spot forever. You need to be dynamic. And I think that dynamic comes when you have, when you are able to empower the people of the company and give them much more freedom. We can say that in digital age, you need digital leadership. We can tell it to this mindful leadership and this analog old one signal will be disconnected on those people who still want to continue with this control and command leadership will be just disconnected because it's moving so fast that you need to really adapt as a leader as well. Yeah, I mean, there's still many companies who work like that. I look at you no know, friends here who work at Mexican corporations and it's still very much, you know, the boss is in charge and the boss says basically what is going to be decided at the meetings and there's very little empowerment still. So I think it old culture or old leadership style is still very much prevalent, especially in Mexico, for example. The point is that those leaders are using only their brain, their capacities, their creativity, and they are absolutely not using their team members. And this is what brings this not moving or be stuck. I know that you have started in your company a great mindfulness initiative for your colleague. Tell us something about it. Well, exactly something which is promoted globally, you know, I mean, she's for our company. Company, it's quite natural somehow to have this. So the thing I'm doing is I'm giving meditation sessions once a week to employees. Mindfulness, basically, a little bit not so rigid. It's a little bit more like also visualizations and, and really centering very much on ourselves, on our self-love and really trying you know, to help that everybody comes more focused, gets to know themselves better. Yeah, get a good start into the day when do they do this meditation. Meditation. Ideally, people also start meditating by themselves. That's the idea, that it's not enough just have it once a week. But that's basically something I do with lots of joy and really enjoy it. And I learn a lot too on those meditation sessions. You mentioned a couple of times self-love. For someone, it might sound a softy and hippie and I don't know what. I would be interested in what brings this self-love 
staff, to really business, to leaders, to to people who are led by these people who really cherish this self. Because I am very much persuaded about the self-love is very important. How it could help? Try to give a little bit light. Yeah, I mean, it's self-love is... For me, it's something incredibly important to be happy. You need to accept and and love yourself more than accept to love yourself just how you are. Stop judging yourself. And also, if you mess up, still love yourself. You will mess up very often. We'll maybe say something we didn't want to say, and then we will judge ourselves. I mean, the idea is self-love, not the idea. I mean, that's what it is. It's it's about accepting yourself how you are, not judging, and always have no mind. And I think those aspects, if you transfer that into business context, uh, that's extremely important. I mean, not judge. That's something crucial. And that will give you lots of new avenues to explore. Because if you meet somebody and, and they have a different opinion than you, and you just judge them, you will never be able to get what they actually wanted to convey to you. And probably that was a big learning for you, also in a business context, but you won't be able to learn it if you just judge. So you have to be open. So that openness, probably the basis for that is really one of the things is to have self-love. I mean, I'm not a psychologist or anything, so I maybe, I hope I'm more or less clear with my with what I say. And first of all, I mean, self-love is the basis to love others. Otherwise, you won't be able to love others. You have to start with yourself. It always starts with yourself. Also, as a leader, you have to know yourself first, as we started said at the beginning, before you can go out there and lead you need to know yourself and and also love yourself i love that it's all that we grew up in an environment where we judge everything you know our mind is addicted to judging mindfulness is one of the key element of mindfulness is non-judging because we judge everything and as you as you mentioned in bringing into your life and as well in a business life the openness but it brings a lot of self-confidence because when you accept and you even love yourself then you are more confident because you believe in yourself because it's okay to make mistakes and when you are okay to make mistakes as a leader then your people get courage to make mistakes because you need to do some mistakes in order to move otherwise you you will just stuck and you will be not moving as a company but that's very important and it of course brings results because the people can feel to be themselves now is a very important topic as i mentioned at the beginning the most difficult for human being is to bring balance happiness and satisfaction in, into your life and i mentioned that you have a code for it i think at least i feel it when i talk to you but tell me work-life balance how do you perceive work-life balance what is according to your opinion why is so important in current corporate environment i think you need to have to be happy i think it's it's best to have many different interests so the business is one but then you need to look for other things also who things which will give you fulfillment that can be anything you know any hobby you need to find that balance between your job but not get caught up only in it but but also have other things in life because those will enrich the job but the job will also enrich then your hobbies and i think that will just result in a much better performance probably uh, if you want to call it performance that will you 
you will have that balance. I mean, life is all about balance. And I, I was always very much looking for that balance. I think I almost always found it. It was also because my wife always told me you need to have also other things in life. Also, my father taught me that. So that also helped me to have these people around me who always tell me, hey, you are going too far now. You need to do something else to balance it out so I, I always had the music and i always had sport and i'm always like discovering new things i'm like investigating now i'm investigating for example gardening i'm a little bit obsessed about compost i want to see how to be, do best compost and it takes time but it also takes lots of creativity and new energy and that new energy then somehow translates also into my job because then i can take that energy and transform it into positive for my daily work. Do you think that in current corporate environment that people live the work-life balance in general? Some people do, but I think mostly not so much. Would I say, I mean, the people I know at least, especially now with the COVID-19 environment where people are locked up at home, I think it's it's been very challenging for many and they have very, very much focused on their work. And I think we need to get back to a balance and, and find that somehow energy also in other things than only work because you will get worn out. So you mentioned that the consequence of not having this work-life balance, you said worn out, maybe in some cases burnout, not satisfaction yeah. in life. And the results for the company will be that the result will be not good because tired people cannot bring good performance and bad performance will not bring results. Exactly. In the long run, it doesn't work. In the long run, you need people who are balanced, who have energy or positive, who are able to solve challenges, but in a positive way. From somewhere, you need to take that positive energy. I think the curiosity for me is still something so important. Every day, you should have a question. You should question something and then like, try to find the answer. And that's nowadays with Google, that's very easy, you know. But if you don't have that curiosity anymore, if you're somehow always in the same and all somehow on autopilot, I think you will lose something beautiful in life, which is all this diversity, all these things out there, which makes life very enriching. Beautiful. You mentioned that your wife, that she helped you to find this balance. I assume that you've been part of your life and business life, not balanced really. So right. tell me how important is partner, in your case, your wife, for leadership to be a good leader? I think in my case, my wife always tells me 100% the truth, you know, I and mean, tells me straightforward into my face. And sometimes it's not so easy because then you are somehow, your ego comes up and you say, hey, what's this, you know, and you start getting defensive. Somehow I've learned, you know, to, I'm still working on that, <laughs> to appreciate that because it's always good to have somebody who tells you now you're, you're thinking you got it, you know, but you're still far away. And we're always far away you know from being perfect totally and it's always good that somebody tells you so i think it's good to have either partner or maybe a coach or somebody who gives you advice and puts your feet back on the floor you know tells you hey this is who you are and not your fantasy you know <laughs> reality check <laughs> reality check yeah. yeah absolutely fantastic that was the topic work-life balance and now i have for you 
a couple of questions which I ask every guest. What are your top three leadership wisdom or principles? My top three leadership wisdoms. Number one is put the emphasis on the issue and give empathy to the person. Don't get caught up uh, with the person. I mean, if it's a complex issue, put the emphasis on, on the issue and try to understand the person. Then number two, be fully present. I think we have spoken about that. And number three is listen, listen, listen and ask questions. What are your top three life lessons you want to share with others, especially with younger generation? Number one, you can change. It starts with awareness and listening. Number two is trust your intuition. So our intuition, we call it the sixth sense. Actually, it should be the first sense. We should trust it. The gut feeling, yeah. The gut feeling. It's so important and we often forget about it. And just trust yourself. Your first feeling is probably the correct feeling. And number three, love yourself. <laughs> you already spoke about that. <laughs> Tell me, maybe to stay a little bit here, how do you use the intuition leadership? Well, I have many like experiences, you know, with clients especially, but also with colleagues, you know, that somehow you got tells you something's wrong here, you know. Also in the negative sense, you know, I had an, an incident where client was taking advantage of us and it was very somehow not so easy to detect, but my intuition told me something's wrong here. Then I had to make a very difficult decision. It was lots of pressure and lots of normally people are not happy then in such situations. But then you need to have that that conviction that you are right because your God's telling you. <laughs> That's really challenging. I found out that I had the right feeling. So just test it out. You can test it out with very small things. You get a phone call and you don't know, maybe before looking at the display, you just try to think, who could this be? And what could this be about? And very often your intuition will be right. You will be surprised. So with that, you can start training it too. And it's something wonderful in life. Uh, the, your intuition helps you so much a lot of people doesn't know that this gut feeling this intuition another brain in our stomach in our guts which has even more neuron connections than our real brain the problem is that we from very beginning are learned or taught to very much use to our thinking process to our analyzing process and we are not relying anymore on this gut feeling, on this intuition, on this, what we really feel is the right. So it's fantastic that you mentioned it because I feel that the leadership, the emotional intelligence, this is really something which the leaders should definitely use more. Of course, the analytical brain is fantastic and it can really do beautiful things, but intuition, emotional intelligence is what gives leadership, real leadership. Fantastic. So tell me, please, uh, another question. What is your definition of success? Well, be happy. What do you consider to be your biggest success in your life? For me, it's my spiritual, I found my spiritual path. That's my spiritual awakening. That's my biggest success. You mentioned a couple of times uh, spiritual. Tell something, you know, how you would pragmatically explain to people spiritual or the spiritual transformation. Well, it, it's the big question, you know, why are we here? And trying to find an answer for that. Why am I here? Where am I going? That's spiritual. And trying to find that something which is not really that palpable. Maybe religion tries to find a certain answer to that. I don't refer to religion. I refer to something broader. So with no dogmas, nothing really set. 
everybody has a different path. Yeah, and so I found mine, I think. So I did find it. So who I am, why I'm here, and where I'm going. And it's very deep connection with yourself. Can we tell it maybe this way? Yeah, it's exactly. It's about at the end of the day, we are infinite beings and we're very powerful beings, really, as humans. And we are somehow we are individuals, but we're also a collective. And finding that is somehow what I, I'm referring to as my biggest success. Yeah, finding that out. And I think meditation here is something very, very good, very important tool for this. Yeah. I resonate very much with this with this meditation and with your journey. A lot of people consider spiritual, oh, that's not, what is it? You know, they are scared, afraid of it. But I think it's nothing else that to really connect with yourself and find out who you are. I agree. Yeah. Imagine you could change one thing in the world, what it would be. <laughs> I would like that everybody on the planet has clean water. Beautiful. I think... We, in our world, a lot of time, we take it for granted, especially in the Europe. I've been to Mexico for six months and, and I know that to have a clean water, is there not an automatic, but in other countries as well, so beautiful. Tell me, what is your favorite quote and why? It's from the Dalai Lama and it says, the ultimate source for happiness is not money and power, it is wholeheartedness. Beautiful. And I think it doesn't need any explanation. It's clear. So would you like to add something by the end? Because I think we are close to the end and <laughs> really sad that it's already ending because it was so beautiful conversation. And I think very, very useful. Yeah, I would just want to like to thank you, Miro, for this, for this opportunity to share my thoughts, my beliefs, my experience. And yeah, I mean, not, not really not much more to add. I think Mindfulness is a nowadays a word which is used a lot. You know, it's just an expression. It's just a labeling for something. And at the end of the day, it's about doing of it. You know, it's not about the label. It's about living it. So I think that's basically my last remark I would like to make. Thank you. I think you concluded very nicely because it's now maybe a fancy word, but it's about doing it. As John Kabat, the daddy of mindfulness, said that it's simple but not easy. And it's really about discipline. It's about doing it. So I thank you very much. I think it is very useful for everybody, definitely. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you, Miro. Thanks very much. Thanks for being with us. If you are interested in learning more about mindful leadership, resilience and transformation, please check out our website sntscoaching.com. If you find the content useful, please share it with your friends and colleagues. I would be very grateful and curious about your comments, feedback, experiences, which you can share on our social media. If you would like to work on your development, check out our transformational development program for leadership. We offer the programs The Mindful Leader and The Five Star Leader. For building your resilience, we offer the Mental Resilience Mindfulness Development Program. If you are searching for education, you are in the wrong place. It is for all of you who are ready for inner work, as our purpose is to bring positive permanent change in your business and private life. Thanks for listening and I'm looking forward to our next podcast.